0: Welcome back to a messy desk day at the DSLR Film New Podcast <laughs> Studio. I've got Mitch from Planet 5D joining me today to discuss lots of new things and some sad news. R.I.P. Vine, but we'll get into that in a second. Sad? I'm so Mitch, sad. what have you been up to this last week? More photography of the marching bands?
1: Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. And, and let me tell you, when, when you switch tools, and we're going to talk about tools obviously later today, uh, because of the new Final Cut Ten. Woohoo! Oh, I'm so excited. Um, when you switch from something like Aperture to uh Lightroom, you know, I've all, I've always said that these things are all the same, right? I mean it's just a different user interface. You still are gonna do sharpening, you're still gonna do this and that and all these kind of stuff. Uh but I'm also throwing in uh a new tablet, a Wacom tablet. Have you seen? Have I told you about that? Ooh, that looks fancy. Uh, so, my daughter, I gave this to my daughter, who's an artist, um, some time ago because I thought it would be cool for her to do her art. Maybe she could do some computer art. Uh, long story short, she decided she didn't like it. Um, and I thought, well, I've heard about a lot of photographers who use Lightroom, but they also use. The pen and the Wacom tablets, Uh, and I've always said Wacom, by the way, and it's been an adjustment to say Wacom because (laughs) (laughs) it's—I've always thought it was Wacom. But anyway, uh, so I'm adjusting to that too. So it's—it's just really frustrating because I'm like about two weeks behind on
0: editing photos, Uh, but I'm learning new stuff, and I'm having—I Lightroom's really cool. So if you really want an awesome drawing experience slash Lightroom experience and you're a Windows user, here's something you should check out. It's uh, it's called the Cube i7, and it's a generic uh, tablet from China, uh, but it has the Wacom... Uh, interface uh, screen from the Surface Pro 3, or excuse me, Surface Pro 2, installed on it with a 1080p screen. It's a $314, comes with a good stylus, and works with all the uh, Wacom, Wacom, however you'd like to say it. <laughs> I was going to say you're saying it differently than I knew. <laughs> I always say Wacom, but, you know, Wacom, that's fine. Uh, this thing is, is very cheap, very affordable, and I know a number of artists who use this as their travel uh, version, and it does have a full system in it: four gigs of RAM, uh, sixty-four gig to up to a two hundred fifty-six gig worth of storage space, as well as a full Windows ten experience. And for three hundred and fifteen bucks. Yeah, uh, it does not come with the keyboard outright. You do have to add uh, the keyboard separately for I think like eighty dollars. Um, but still, super cheap. Comes with a pen and. All the reviews and the people I know that use it, actually, and are working artists actually like this as a very affordable, I don't care if it gets broken. And even by affordable, I mean it's all in perspective. Their Wacom or Wacom tablets that they have at home, the large screen versions, are upwards of two to $3,000. So something small like this that has good pen resolution as well as controls is definitely affordable in the $314 range. Plus, it's an entire freaking tablet PC Uh, that's capable of doing the regular stuff that you would want to do on a computer. Uh, If you want to find that, uh, the website you want to look for is called GearBest. That's Best dot com. And they sell a bunch of weird, generic stuff like that. Uh, On my end... Oh, go ahead, Mitch. I'm sorry.
1: Continuing on that, I I found a fascinating article uh, about uh, Chinese manufacturing. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Kickstarter stuff. The the article specifically talks about a Kickstarter project that this guy came up with an iPhone case that was a selfie thing. Excuse me. Uh, And he started running a Kickstarter project. And before the Kickstarter project ended, time-wise, like, what, two, three weeks, a month, whatever, the guy found the Chinese knockoff of his Kickstarter project already available for sale. <laughs> and the article points out the fact that, you know, what's happening now is that the Chinese have gotten so good at knocking things off that you almost don't have any proprietary products. I mean, you know, how do you create something today and not have somebody automatically steal it and and have it out maybe better and faster before you can even produce the damn thing?
0: Well, the problem, too, um, and uh, the Aviator Crane, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was a Kickstarter from a while back. And I I know the guys that worked on it. They're really great people. Um, They actually went to a factory in China to have that made. And with all the plans and information, those, those factories basically have all the tooling set up to make those. And at the time, he only needed X number of pieces made. But the factory was capable of doing overruns that were substantially more than that. And even though you're contractually obligated not to uh, make more, or duplicate the product, I mean, they're already set up for it. How hard yeah. is it for him to kick out, you know, t- you know, f- several thousand or more, put a different brand stamp on it, you know, maybe cheap out on a few parts, and then undercut the uh, main one? And he was lucky; his crane was out for I think six months before they started. Uh, duplicating it, but that's not very long profit window in order to, and and then how do you differentiate yourself? You you know, your stuff is higher quality and you make sure to do quality control on it. Uh, But when the other stuff is half the price, it sort of turns into this thing where, well, you know, you'll just uh, deal with it. If one of them breaks or send it back, you know, hopefully buy it through some Amazon or eBay where it's easy to return. And then once you get one that works, you saved half the, half the dollar amount.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's remember that $314 <laughs> PC tablet pen thing that you just talked about when we're talking, uh, and I'm pointing down like you guys can see the show notes,
0: uh, <laughs> when we get down to the new computers and the new software that's out. <laughs> and for those of you interested in that weird tablet, I'll add it to the show notes at the top so you can uh, check that out. The i7 and i9, I don't know... I don't know what it is about Asian companies and their necessity to add the "i" moniker to their freaking products. Uh, it's 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 a little ridiculous, but I think Apple started it. Yeah, I think on that note, it's probably time for the news. Let's do it. And I'm sorry I cut you off. Time for the news. First up, we mentioned at the head of the show that a Vine has been what. Cut down, so to speak. I thought that was a good pun there. Maybe not. Um, Vine, uh, the short six-second video application for Twitter, which actually I thought was still quite popular, especially with comedy and viral advertising and so on, has been... Discontinued. Twitter has plans to focus on their core business and they have cut a staff of over 350 people from the department that handles Vine. The app will go away. Uh, The videos will not. They promise that they will do it the correct way and leave those up for you to view. Uh, In the near term, no word yet on the final verdict for what will happen to videos, but you are no longer able to post new Vine (laughs) videos uh, to the platform. Vine was one of those things that I loved to check out occasionally, but I never really got into myself. I know a number of YouTubers that uh, transitioned very well from Uh, YouTube to Vine doing very comedic little short bits uh, with pets and other, you know, song (laughs) jokes and so on. But, uh, Mitch, did you ever use Vine? Are you sad that it's gone? And what does this mean for Twitter in the future? Are they still floundering trying to make a profit?
1: Yes, no, and yes. How's that? Um I did, I did try out Vine a couple of times. It's, it's like much of this stuff, I think uh, it looks cool and it sort of depends upon how things work out in your life. Uh, my kids loved Vine for a little while. They would send things back and forth to each other. Uh, they ended up moving off to Snapchat because Snapchat could let them do photos and videos once they got videos in Snapchat. Uh, I think Snapchat's a much more popular service than Vine is. Do you think uh, uh,
0: Instagram had any part in this when they added their uh, up to sixty second video snippets that you could put in there? Well, I'm sure because what you know, when you have
1: an ex- a service that's exclusively one format, like Vine was six seconds and that's it, which you know, and you force everybody to do that and. Then the other services give you multiple features. I mean, it's it's just like, let's go back to the DSLR, right? Why was the DSLR so popular for filmmakers for a while? Because you could not only do stills and video and you had a great sensor, right? So I, I'm maybe that's a bad example, but you know, people tend to navigate the things that do multiple functions um, and, and I mean, we haven't talked about the new Apple stuff yet, but the new Apple TV software that they came out with uh, announced yesterday. Part of the demo was Twitter, and I know I don't I know you watched it complete. Your... You watched the complete podcast and the, the you know hour and a half of Apple <laughs> promoting everything they've got. But so, but what Apple's do? I'm, I'm sorry, what Twitter's doing is on. Thursday. I think they have the Thursday night football game. Okay. Uh so they have this exclusive where they broadcast the Thursday NFL game of the week and on the side and this is on their new Apple TV app is all of the Twitter things that are specifically happening for that live feed. So all the hashtags get amalgamated and so you you can watch Twitter streaming on the the right-hand side while you're watching the football game. And therefore, but you, but you got to understand, DJ. You and I both. And for those of you who are listening to the audio, uh, DJ just, I wins. just made a face. <laughs> and maybe those even on video couldn't see it because there's you know, Google Hangout switching. But when my daughters watch a TV show now, uh, like you know, like the the ones they really really love, they are sitting there with their phones looking at the hashtags and, and tweeting and posting on vine and not vine. <laughs> We're talking about vine dying. <laughs> uh, but, but that's sort of become a norm for the, for the newer people, the old people like you and me are like, Hey, I just want to watch the show. Uh, but they're tying all the social media stuff into these things. So, is Twitter going to die? Uh, to answer your last question, I think they're struggling, but they're certainly coming up with new ways to keep themselves relevant. Uh, I, I don't use Twitter as much as I used to, but I was primarily using Twitter to look for news stories for Planet 5D when I used it. Uh, now, there there is so much
0: stuff on Twitter now, it's hard to be seen. Well, the description you're giving me of video With a chat room on the side. Sounds very reminiscent of the late 90s MTV Live system. Uh And uh, uh, to a lesser extent, maybe the pop-up video system where people could basically log in. And then they would stream a window of chat or notes by users on the sides of video playing on the main screen. Uh, It's interesting, but... It doesn't seem like a new concept, and it it seems like almost uh, going backwards. Now, getting back to the video format, <laughs> because we've kind of gone off trail here with Twitter what? in general. Us? Uh, Vine, the interesting thing about Vine was that it uh, limited you to six seconds. And uh, the reason I like that is because it inspires a major amount of creativity to make something that is even remotely interesting in a six second window that's not a very long time to create something and people did some amazing stuff with that uh you know punch lines at the end of the six second joke a uh, very great choreographed musical bits uh, uh there's there's one where a guy just sneezes for uh you know the almost the whole six seconds and then the last sneeze his suit changes <laughs> and it's like I, I mean it's not amazing content but it's really interesting and It's kind of sad for me as a person who likes creative stuff to see a platform that forces people to be super creative in the work that they're making uh, go away. Uh, Do you think we'll ever see a a duplication of something like this in the future? Or is is this six-second or shorter video format pretty much gone for good? Uh, Well, you can still create six-second videos and upload them to YouTube, but... But they won't loop anymore. The, the
1: thirty second commercial in the front. Oh jeez. <laughs> um I you have to also remember that Twitter was created with a hundred and forty character limit to try to force you to be creative,
0: right? That's true.
1: So I mean that's why the two fit together, I thought, so well. But did they ever was there ever a way to monetize Vine?
0: Uh yeah. So uh placements of ads inside of your vine stream uh very popular vine individuals would do some funny stuff and then occasionally they would do a brand sponsored pepsi uh makeup jeans whatever and right. it would be featured in their video as part of their comedy slash uh commentary routine and that was a paid sponsorship uh, some of them were in the 20 to 30 thousand dollar range some of them as low as three or four hundred dollars uh, there was actually quite a bit of a cash to be had at the peak of the Vine uh, universe, so to speak. But you had to have a lot of followers in order for that to be a monetary always, value. Always true. Now, moving on, because we've beat this one into the ground, let's go ahead and talk about some new stuff. First up, I wanted to mention this. Uh, just for those of you that are on the A7 series of cameras, this is an E-mount to... Uh, or excuse me, EF mount, Canon adapter for your Sony cameras. It's electronic, and of course, it has an ND filter in between the sensor and the lens. This is great for people who are using wide-angle lenses and need to get a variable ND in there. Uh, The difference between this and Capcom's previous adapter is simply that they've added a little bit higher range. Uh, There's seven stops of variable ND on this. It still has the ability to take the ND filter out if you want to. And the sliding wheel, of course, is located at the top. This will set you back about $430. It is... Not extremely interesting, but a useful tool if you are in the market. Mitch, any comments on this before I continue down the news line? I think that looks pretty cool. I think $400 is or $430 is a reasonable uh, price for an uh, ND filter for the uh, wide-angle variety <laughs> of lenses. Uh, well, it does have an
1: adapter function to it, so yes, to be able to combine the two
0: uh why not slide in a speed booster while you're at it well now this is full <laughs> frame to full frame so that would be a, a very complex okay. that would that'd be impossible basically um okay the issue i have with this and it, it's not a, a bad thing it's just that you can go by uh, even a nice is it Sine ray i think is the one of the higher end uh variable nd filters I have a couple of them laying around. and I need to pay more attention to the brands, but you you can buy one of those for like $140. And that would be like an 82 millimeter uh, diameter for very large lenses. And that works for everything down to probably about 24 millimeter. You get lower than that and the variable NDs start to go wacky. Uh, This is good for 16 to 35 millimeter. uh, But at that point... Do you really need shallow depth of field in uh, a wide-angle lens? Because even f2.8, there's a lot of stuff in focus, and you can stop your lens down. Uh, how often are you in a situation where you have so much light that you need to stop down further than what the lens is capable of? And $430 is a pretty expensive proposition when you can buy regular electronic adapters for uh, Canon to Sony mount for maybe 80 bucks. Are they that cheap? Yeah, they're very, very affordable. Those Chinese guys. <laughs> hey, it could come from any country. Let's not, uh, let's not just put it on one. All right, moving on down the line let's talk about this this is actually something that is uh, fairly interesting <laughs> if you are in to industrial video which actually i have done a lot of in the past uh, this is really exciting for you this is a small compact super zoom uh, 30x zoom range on a drone and the reason this is interesting is not just because you can now zoom in on sporting events But imagine for a moment, if you will, that you could provide a service of, say, inspecting a communications tower, or looking for problems on a given device that is 50 to 60 feet in the air, or structurally checking the outside of a building for various damages at high altitudes without having to get a ladder, a crane, or some of the other things that are necessary. Or, hey, maybe you need a serial number to replace a part (laughs) off of something (laughs) that is is 50 feet in the air or 100 feet in the air you can fly your drone up zoom in and grab this this is the dji zen muse z30 and it is exciting for me mitch how do you feel about zoom in the air on your drone i'm i'm incredibly excited about it dj
1: um good answer (laughs) well let's just talk about how privacy could be invaded with this
0: Oh man, that's <laughs> uh, oh.
1: yeah. Uh, obviously, we don't advocate anything like that. But and and that's where you know, we haven't talked about it much. But I was just uh, skimming the the news in some country. Have you heard
0: this? Uh, was it Sweden? I think yeah, Switzerland or Sweden.
1: One of those two. One of those S words has has banned drones in public areas because of privacy
0: issues. Which is interesting because um, you're still allowed to take photos and videos in public.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't really researched that, but I mean, this looks fascinating. I mean, do one of the knocks on, on doing uh, drone stuff has been that you've been locked into, you know, one sense or one lens and what it is, what it is. Uh, so being able to zoom in 30x is pretty cool. There, and I certainly see lots of uses for it like you're, like it's shown in this
0: article. There are uh, z- uh, drones right now that are capable of using a zoom, but most of them require multiple pilots and are in the, uh, right. the eight propeller category. This actually brings it down to a price tag uh, that could be somewhat affordable and, and to the point where a private operator could uh, simply start doing this as a side business or as a full business the only thing I worry about is uh, with the new drone regulations and uh, the issues that they have about uh, uh, doing uh, drone flying as a business how does this relate to that I mean you have altitude limits for one and yeah uh, you know obviously at some point if you're doing something like that maybe you're gonna fly your drone up over <laughs> the 500 foot range uh, especially if you're checking towers that are, uh, you know, required to have flashing lights and so on. I mean, you get to the altitude where a strobe or a red light is required. I mean, that's plane flying level. W- w- how would you police something like this? And uh, do you think the regulations will adapt to cover this sort of inspection in the future? <laughs> no, these are too difficult questions for this early in the morning. I think
1: the answer the answer is no. You can't. You can't uh i mean it's just like i, don't
0: know, I feel actually. like i'd have to ask for a car you know you almost have to have a license card you know okay are, you're gonna do this inspection can i see your permit for flying this drone okay you're good to go because right. you know 28 minute flying time you get up there you do your inspection the guy forgets the drone plummets to the ground takes off a child's head kills three <laughs> puppies and bam you are in trouble <laughs>
1: The problem with policing these things is there aren't enough police in the world. It's it's just like building the wall. It's just not it's just not feasible. It's just not. Uh, obviously, there will be. I mean, it's it's like speeding, right? I mean, you can speed all you want until you happen to go right by a policeman or or uh, a speed zone trap with photos. So it's still the wild west in a lot of it, but. You should follow the regulations. Don't try to do stuff. Uh, I notice on the website, um, somebody, eclectic guy, asked what the price is. There isn't the price, is there? Uh, no, not the yet. Only, the only thing listed here is to contact enterprise at dgi.com. Now, when I see that, what does that say to me? Ching, Cha-ching. ching, <laughs> If you want enterprise pricing, uh,
0: it's not going to be cheap. Well, so at my office, uh, we do a lot of video production for uh, industrial applications, and there's a zone at the office that is high security, and it's fenced in, and then it has guards and everything else, and the other day, they found a drone... In the high security area, just like parked in the middle of this this yard, this uh, section where no one's supposed to be unless they have specific access and they've passed several clearance exams and done these other things. And it turns out that several of the people that work at the office had uh, talk their boss into letting them buy a drone to test out for some video applications we needed in the future. And then just nonchalantly flown the drone in there, ran out of battery and landed it in the secure zone where you were not supposed to be. (laughs) And I mean, luckily it was, it was internal and we were able to sort it out and figure out who it belonged to. And there wasn't a big issue, but if that would have been a private person flying that in, I mean, uh, it it is a a federal facility there that that could result in uh, numerous fines and in, in jail time, and then on top of that, the security issues. Uh, some of those rules are are very very strict. Uh, they could result in years of jail time, not nice. just months of jail time. Which is, uh, I don't know, and things like that just make me really nervous for the drone community in general. Yes, I agree, and and
1: we all think that it's just so. Fun and games, and so easy to do,
0: and you don't think about those kind of things. Yeah, like the guy that landed on the White House. <laughs> drinking drinking in the middle of the night, and then flies yeah. his drone over to the White House yard. Okay, yeah. M- moving on. Let's talk about a slider that I'm actually kind of excited about. If you guys have uh, read DSLR Film Noob in the past, uh, you probably know that I love flywheel sliders. The issue with a flywheel slider is actually that you have to... Uh, attach belts and other devices to your slider in order to get the flywheel to spin up and spin down. And that flywheel provides very smooth action on the slider as you move across because of the force that's required to move the flywheel. This is an update to that design and an interesting update at that. The Doozy V4 actually incorporates the flywheel into the head of the slider itself. No longer are you required to use belts or anything of that nature. The flywheel spins up inside of this device and allows you to basically get that same effect without having to tear down and set up belts on your slider for different lengths. Uh, This thing will set you back around $450 for the 32 inch version and I believe slightly more for the longer version, but mitch have you ever used a flywheel slider first of all and second of all uh would you spend this much money on a nice slider uh why
1: why you for those of us who are uneducated in terms of flywheel
0: sliders why are you so excited about them does it make them smoother so let me show you uh here what the flywheel looks like imagine the force that it takes to move a flywheel initially getting the flywheel to spin requires a large amount of force that you have to push against. If you've ever used a slider without any sort of resistance at all, when you push the slider, the motion is completely controlled by the smoothness of your hand, and there's nothing to push against. So if you aren't completely smooth with your move... (laughs) your sliding will be sort of fast, slow, fast, slow. And you'll you'll notice that it stands out really strongly in video. But if you have a flywheel, you're actually pushing against the spinning force of the flywheel to get it to start. And when you let go of the motion, the flywheel has to spin down. Because of the linear ramp rate that it takes for that flywheel to spin up and spin down, you always end up with a very nice, smooth taper off as you slow down and you always end up with a very smooth start. And with a small amount of force applied to the flywheel, you can control the velocity of your camera without giving any sort of shake to the movement of the camera itself. It's a beautiful, excellent, lovely way to move your camera around. And I know some of these sliders are very expensive, the Shark S1 flywheel slider I use is around $750 to $800. And that's where this actually also got me excited, is look at the price on this, Mitch. $489 yeah. is a fairly affordable price, and the fact that there are no belts, the travel distance on this isn't nearly as long as the Shark S1 slider, which I know and love. But, you know, at this price, that's that's half the price of the Shark slider without... Having to deal with the belts and so on, uh, the downside though is that you do have to deal with weight. Uh, a flywheel is just a heavy uh, circular piece of metal, and you have to carry it around with you in your pack wherever you're traveling. And the Shark Slider is no exception. Uh, I have to check that or uh, use it as my carry-on, and it weighs 25 to 30 pounds, which is wow, you know, a fairly a substantial weight. With all that in mind, Mitch, you gonna buy one?
1: Uh, no, no. Uh, first of all, I love Synovate products. Uh, they, I've been really happy with stuff that I have gotten from them in the past, so that's a very good plus. Um, I don't know. I think the name is interesting. It's a
0: doozy, all right. They've been sticking uh, with that name. I think this this line of sliders has been around. Uh, this is the fourth generation, obviously version four, but this is the first one with the with flywheel. the uh, flywheel. The rest of them, honestly, uh, like I, I'm with you. I like Cinevate, but some of their stuff it's just kind of it doesn't excite me that much. This actually was an exciting product, <laughs> although it it, it it is a doozy. Oh. It is a doozy. Um, and
1: a, and if anybody wants a Philip Bloom pocket dolly, by the way, speaking of sliders, let me know. I got one to sell. Um. I don't know if you've noticed, and your audio has gone to pot. I know you can't hear your own audio, but we're having that problem that we had last week. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> Love it. And, and uh, Sapphire just said maybe his vocal cords have a driver issue. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a good one. Oh wow! Uh, and and so I don't I don't. It happened to us last week too. I don't know why. And it's only your side. It's not my side. So. <laughs>
0: Maybe when you move, things will change. uh, Yeah, how's this? Is that a little bit better? Yes. All I did was hit reset on the audio. Google Hangouts is awesome, guys. Uh, Yes. Definitely recommend it for everybody. Anyway, continuing (laughs) on the slider, Mitch, you have a Philip Bloom pocket slider that you'd like to get rid of?
1: That that was just a silly joke. Yes, I do, as a matter of fact, but so far I haven't been able to sell it. So if anybody wants it, just let me know. (laughs)
0: If you guys, if you ever go out slider shopping, um, stay away from the resistive sliders. And I, Kiesler or Kessler uh, cranes, they make some good sliders, but their resistive system is not the smoothest to use. And it, it, it takes a very fine finesse to, to get it right. Uh, if you're it, new to sliders and you haven't used them before, a flywheel is pretty much user proof as far as getting a good move.
1: I'd, I'd be interested to try one. I, I did not know that they were a thing. So you've taught me something today. And that was exactly the problem that I've ever had with sliders is, is trying to get a smooth move is, is a real pain, especially with the ramp up and the ramp down. So I, I'd be interested in trying something like this.
0: Well, I know, I uh, remember Canova sliders uh-huh. were the hot, hotness for quite some time uh, with their linear bearings. The issue was is the linear bearings were so smooth that they showed almost every inconsistency in hand yep. motion. Uh, you almost had to use like a rubber band or something like that and put the brake on just a little bit to pull and get sort of somewhat smooth. But I, I, I feel like I have very stable hands and I always had trouble with that. As soon as I got well, a, a flywheel slider, it changed my life. And even the, like, the Philip Bloom pocket
1: dolly slider has this uh, handle on the end that is, you know, you're supposed to be able to smoothly spin, and
0: I could never get that right either, so. Yeah, you really have to keep your, your hand moving at a, a, a very consistent rate. Th- that's the difference, though. If, you, if you've ever used a, uh, a pan head and tilt that's gear head driven, those have such a small gear ratio to turn that if you're a little uh-huh. bit inconsistent with your spin, yep. it doesn't matter because it'll make up for it. Right. But with the pocket dollies, the spinning motion moves the camera Quite far not extremely far, but far enough that any inconsistency in your spin will will give you problems, and it's, you're not helping me sell this thing very well <laughs> uh, it's its' <laughs> greatest uh greatest slider i've ever n- not liked you you should definitely get one. Okay. Anyway, check that out <laughs> if you're interested. Cinovate, it's a doozy V4. Uh, not a sponsor of the site, but uh, definitely looks like a really interesting slider. Moving on to some announcements from Microsoft. Uh, it seems like yes! Microsoft is going in the direction of Apple these days with their own laptops, their own tablets, and so on. And this is no exception. This is the Surface Studio. And basically, this is a 28-inch screen attached to uh, what looks like a a fairly attractive Surface um, laptop-esque box. This is very reminiscent (laughs) of that sort of half-circle iMac that was available in years past. And this folds over. It provides a full interface touchscreen slash uh, Wacom-style or Whackham whatever drawing surface, <laughs> and it's for your desk. Uh, it's, it's very attractive, uh, very high end laptop parts are being shoved into this thing, and it'll set you back around three thousand dollars. Now, Cha-ching! Mitch, that is expensive, but when we think about the uh, comparative high end uh, devices. We mentioned the Wacom uh, large drawing surface earlier. That large drawing surface from uh, the 28-inch version will set you back three to $4,000. And that's just a surface to draw on. That does not include a PC to go along with that. Now, right. this is a full PC and everything in a creative, suite sort of setup. And you can get the specs in this uh, ramp it all the way up to where it'll set you back four thousand. I think nine hundred and ninety nine dollars was what I was reading for the top end model, and, and that's where you have to start. To be honest, r- really, you think so? Well, the base model, the three
1: thousand dollar model, has eight gigabytes of RAM in it. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, so, uh, and it's and it's got a like a five hundred gigabyte hard drive. I mean SSD. <laughs> the base model i'm like uh 3 grand and i get 8 gigs and a 500 gigabyte hard, uh ssd come on everybody that i've i've watched and chatted with is like okay so you got to start with the at least the $4000 model or something uh something that's got some decent ram in it the second thing that that slays me about this and it's true with the with the wacom wacom, wacom uh device that you were talking about that's that's the big panel so you gotta have a clean <laughs> desk yeah that's <laughs> and I true could never handle having a clean desk i just wouldn't be <laughs> do it <laughs> uh i i'm doing fairly well with my 200 dollar wacom bamboo tablet here on the side it, it acts like a big trackpad, so i can use my fingers or i can use the pen uh it's it's not like exactly drawing on the surface, um, but it, I I think it's it's really cool. It's I'm I'm glad that Microsoft is doing something like this. Don't get me wrong, I, it will appeal to a lot of people, uh, but obviously it's not something I'm going to buy. Uh, but. I think it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's innovative, and it's not something we expected out of um, Microsoft. But you also remember that they started with the Surface, how long ago was it? Has it been like 10 years since they created that the one that would like, they had in the bars and stuff that was like a $10,000 table, and, <laughs> and you, could, you could put your drinks on it, and, and it would order new drinks when you got low and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, if you, um, if you live in the Seattle area, you can actually go to the Redmond campus uh, at Microsoft and see one of those in their uh, demo table labs and uh, uh, predominantly featured in many CSI and uh, crime story style television shows <laughs> for whatever reason is the table slash uh, large uh, display uh, with a touchscreen interface. To me, I talk, and I talked to a, a good friend of mine, Amos, who, who does a lot of art uh, projects for people. He was, he was kind of on the fence about this. Uh, at first, he was excited, but um, he moves between a small surface device where he can draw on the go to a large desktop setup that's on an armature and moves around. And for this, he thought it would be great on a standing desk, And he thought it would be good for people in sort of a productivity environment where they're going between spreadsheets, drawing, and back to spreadsheets again. Uh, But he didn't feel like it solved all the issues that uh, would come up. What he wanted out of this, and I I thought it was kind of interesting, was a possible maybe $1,400 or $1,300 version of this that was just the screen and the stand without yeah. any hardware and the ability to just plug it into is already a uh, well-suited PC in order to get going. See, that that makes more sense to me,
1: but that ends up turning out being, you know, the Wacom tablet things, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so I don't, I don't see them competing there. It, I certainly agree. With, uh, Steve jobs has always said, Oh, has always said like, he's still alive. Wish he was, uh, People don't want to draw vertically, right? It has to be much more horizontal. So even though you can do a touch screen like an iMac, uh, it has to be able to go horizontal-esque, because this doesn't go all the way flat. Uh, but this, this new Surface Studio is, is much more appealing, because you can put it down and draw on it horizontally. Again, if you could keep your desk clean, that would be great. I wish I could do that.
0: I'm looking at my desk right now, and it is just filled with <laughs> junk. There's crud all over it. It's a, it's a mess as usual. But but
1: I think I think it is is a very innovative. I'm glad to see Microsoft trying to do something like that instead of just folding up. bad pun, and going away.
0: Now, while we're talking about the competition here, and you mentioned Steve Jobs, there were some Apple announcements as well, and I am not as keen on following things like Final Cut Pro or the new Mac Pros, uh, MacBook Pros, and so on. Uh, Mitch, tell me what's going on with the latest announcements for Final Cut Pro.
1: Final Cut. Um, Total redo. (laughs) And it's basically...
0: It's going to be good uh, this time? Very, well,
1: now, now, no, no, no. There are a lot of people that I know that do Final Cut. Uh, Final Cut's an awesome piece of, of software, and it's gotten a bad rap, and Apple definitely screwed up the launch. Uh, there's a couple of things that are really nice about it. Number one, the fact that they actually came out with an update. Uh, there have been a lot of rumors, people suspecting that Apple was giving up on Final Cut just like they gave up on Aperture. And to see them uh, actually come up with something new and really appealing and not just a little minor blip upgrade is is impressive to me. Uh, it, it reinforces that they haven't... <laughs> Totally given up on the professionals, and just seeded everything over to Adobe. Now that being said, of course, I'm still pissed off that they gave up on Aperture. Uh, but now that I'm losing, losing, using Lightroom, uh, it's it's a pretty impressive program, and I'm, and I and I'll go back and I'll say so. Let me hold on to this thought and go back to um, the the you user interface is so different on this version of Final Cut, and I downloaded it, installed it last night, and I went, whoa. Really? Because it's... It's... Things are still sort of in the places where they were, most things, but there are lots of little nuances. Uh, They've flattened the UI completely. They've gotten rid of a lot of the fancy icons and stuff. Uh, But there are... Things that used to be in the center of the screen, they're now in the top, and they make more sense being where they've put them. Uh, But uh, the folks over at, and I'm just, uh, Ripple Training, uh, I'm gonna post a story this morning on Planet 5D about the Ripple Training. They have released uh, six or is it eight videos that are like five minutes a piece to get you through the user interface changes. Uh, they've obviously had their hands on this for quite a while. And they're also selling a two-hour training program for 40 bucks, which uh, I have not yet had a chance to look at. Uh, but having been through the conversion from Aperture to Lightroom, and I've men- mentioned that several times on the show, it's really nice. I'm taking a training class from a guy here in St. Louis. Uh, it's uh, every week on Mondays for eight weeks. And I have learned so much more about using Lightroom than I would have done if I had just done it on my own or spent hours and hours trying to surf through a million different videos on YouTube. I still advocate that getting training is very beneficial. And if you can find some training, like for example, this one, this $30 training from Ripple. And again, I haven't seen it yet. But their preview videos, their eight videos to get you through the user interface changes, are wonderful. The first video is like six minutes, and they they zip through the entire user interface and where all the things are compared to where they used to be. And uh, this, anyway, long story short, uh, (laughs) you're going to need some help. I think there are some people that are just software gurus that can bop in there and go, well, yeah, I see where these things are. But it's really nice to have somebody spend 20 30 minutes walk you through where all the new things are and and what new features you have I mean the the feature list of new stuff is monstrous um, how does it compare to Adobe Premiere? I don't know because i I don't ever use Premiere so I can't tell you which one uh, it's it's kind of a leapfrog thing you know I think there are probably some features in the new Final Cut 10 that aren't in Lightroom, but they'll be in Lightroom in a couple of weeks, you know? So I don't know. It's, it's, it's great to see Apple continue this. I was afraid they were going to kill off Final Cut. Uh, I like Final Cut because that's where I was born and raised. <laughs> and so I don't really want to move over to the other tool.
0: Now, what about uh, some of their lower end stuff? You know, you mentioned that they got rid of their photo editing system. What about iMovies? Is that going to die off eventually too? I no, I think iMovie's gonna stick around for quite a while. Um,
1: it's I don't know that much more that they could well I don't know they probably could come up with a lot of things to add iMovie and make it me a final cut light. Um, iMovie works really well. i don't I don't know why they would get rid of it. it's It's things like iMovie and photos are great tools for the basic user to get in and do stuff and it. They come free with the operating system with the Mac when you buy it. So why wouldn't they include that? Cause that's just a, a selling feature. And it costs, I mean, relatively speaking, the amount of money that they spend on upgrading those and maintaining those is nothing compared to the hardware that they sell because it's all integrated. Um, so I don't see that those would ever go away.
0: The reason I yeah. ask is uh, there's a, a huge difference between Premiere Elements and Premiere Pro is, in terms yes. of editing. And one of it used to be that if you started on Premiere Elements, you could easily learn enough to transition to Premiere Pro. But in the modern iteration, Premiere Elements, if you learn how to use that, you will be lost in Premiere Pro because the editing interface is so much different. And the I've never used iMovies, but the people I've seen using it, it looked uh, quite a bit different than Final Cut Pro. Is is it the same transition, or is it enough to learn one and then go to the other?
1: I think that it's the latter. I think iMovie and Final Cut are close enough siblings that you can go from one to the other. Okay. My wife, and I I love my wife, and, and bless me, I'm not saying anything negative about her, but she's not a techie, geeky... uh Programming kind of person like I am and she went from iMovie to Final Cut and she's using Final Cut now The other thing that I didn't say that's a major major difference here (coughs) Is that Final Cut update? Excuse me? (coughs) There's a tickle this update is free Uh, and uh, Sapphire posted in the chat room. I would love to move to Premiere, but I can't afford the monthly fee if you already own Final Cut 10 and I think it's $49 uh this upgrade was free. They did not ch- this is not like a new generation. They didn't move to generation 11 or anything. It's just a free upgrade. So you're getting some massive new features from Apple for no additional cost for those of you who already own it.
0: Um, yeah, mentioning the fee I was I still am a little frustrated. <laughs> Uh, that Adobe moved to a, a monthly fee subscription. It's $49 a month. <laughs> it is expensive. I get mine for a little bit cheaper because I've bought full versions of Premiere in the past. I think I pay $30 a month for mine, so I, I save $19. If you do, and this is a pro tip or a cheap tip, whatever. If you have a family, friend, family member, or anybody else that you know that is a student, uh, the monthly, the full Adobe suite. Is I believe eight ninety nine on sale if you catch it at the right time a month for the year and you can buy those in advance you can buy five or six of those and stack them on top of each other so if your wife's going back to college or you're going back to college or your son is in college I'm not saying you should cheat anybody, but <laughs> if you do not want to afford the fifty dollars a month that it sets you back for premier. Pro and everything else that comes along with the Adobe uh, Master Suite, you can get a subscription for a year and then get another subscription for a year and keep adding them to your accounts and have three or four years of affordable uh, Adobe Premiere without having to worry about the expense of the monthly cost. Now, you do have to pay it up front. So, you know, if it's $10 a month, you're going to have to pay $120 up front to get that. But, that's still that's two months at the regular price, which is right. Is very affordable. Uh, for me, it's it's kind of a drain because I would often wait a couple of years before I upgraded to the next version of Premiere. Uh, when I was on five, I probably waited two years to move to six, and uh, now I'm basically forced to pay the upgrade cost every year in increments of monthly charges. So it, it it's it's yeah. sort of frustrating to spend, what, $600 plus a year. <laughs> uh, Adobe. <Yeah. laughs> and, and I mean, I, I understand the business model. Like, and now I get updates on a regular basis. Uh, there was a flaky version of the latest Premiere that was out, and I got an update maybe uh, three weeks later that fixed some of the issues that I was having. And, uh-huh. and that is really nice. And I know that now with the subscription-based service, Adobe can move on those updates more rapidly than they could previously and add features more uh uh, more quickly but at the same time i don't want to spend that much money and i'm kind of cheap (laughs) and i am a little bit jealous of your final cut and the fact that it is one price and you own it and you buy the next one when you want to
1: okay i'm wrong eclectic guy says it's currently
0: final cut 10 is 300 bucks i was wrong uh, That's not that bad. I think I paid fourteen hundred dollars for the master suite last time I bought it outright. Right.
1: And and I paid that money for Final Cut what two years ago when they upgraded. So it's been one hundred and fifty dollars a year. Plus I got the free upgrade. Uh, and the and the other thing you know, um, I've got the right now since I'm just doing Lightroom. I do think it's nice that I'm only paying eight bucks a month because i'm getting photoshop and lightroom and i don't have to pay the so i'm not i'm obviously not getting premiere and all the other tools because i don't have the full suite uh, but it would be kind of nice uh if there were a way that you could just pick like like say i wanted to do premiere but i didn't want to do all the other tools yeah and and paid just you know 10 bucks a month for that as opposed to the full $49 or whatever.
0: That's a very good point. I I have a huge list of stuff I have access to as a master's collection, you know, paying for the full suite, but uh, three quarters of the stuff is not stuff I use at all. Uh I mean, I'm not doing web development. I very rarely use illustrator for anything in particular, you know, and all these other things. I would love to have a duplicate of the photo version of the subscription service for video editors. That was just the basic package of, yeah, right. uh, Premiere, um, audition and, uh, after effects and maybe speed grade. Uh, those, those four things right there would be, that would be pretty much my entire, uh, bellewick. I could even, I could go without Photoshop, you know, I'll, I'll use Gimp if I really have to, <laughs> You're one of those guys. I mean, well, Photoshop is one of those things where it's like you you need it occasionally, but you need it so rarely that you could feasibly, you know, get away with some half of half-ass method of creating the exact same thing and and for me i don't create a bunch of stuff all the time in photoshop you know i'll use lightroom quite a bit and occasionally i'll do some text or some layers in photoshop but I, i could accomplish probably three quarters of that in other software if necessary Now, speaking of software, let's talk really quickly about the Windows Creator, which is the next release for Windows 10. Uh, they're going to be adding a bunch of little bits and pieces to Windows. This includes stuff like a audio editing system that looks very similar to Garage Band. It also includes a new version of MS Paint. Uh, for those of you who are really missing out what? on uh, MS Paint, the the uh, the classic horrible uh, picture editing, not picture. I, I wouldn't even call it that. The drawing <laughs> application that comes native with Windows. Uh, they're going to be adding a 3D uh, drawing application that is called uh, MS Paint 3D. Uh, These things together are supposed to make Windows more accessible to people who are doing creative things like um, making music, drawing, and 3D printing. Uh, These are also things that we've basically seen on the Apple side of things for quite some time. Uh, Mitch, you excited about this at all? Do you care? Is this something you're going to uh, run out and no, mess with?
1: But yeah, I am never going back to Windows, first of all. So, no, this isn't appealing to me. Um, I think it's good that they're finally getting up to par with what Apple has been doing in terms of having bits and pieces Uh, to be able to give people tools without having to buy another piece of software uh but i'm sorry no i'm not i'm not going to windows for this
0: (laughs) all right well that's it for that particular section (laughs) let's move on to something really cool i've got two more things i want to touch on before we get out of here one is this and this is actually a kickstarter um first of all let's start out by saying this is already in production. Uh, these guys are just uh we're trying to get enough orders together in order to make it a little bit more affordable for people at seven hundred dollars. This is a three dimensional laser projection system that allows you to draw up to two hundred vectors and produce those vectors at a range of 60 frames per second, which means you could actually do 3D models similar to something that you would expect out of, I don't know, maybe a holodeck of some kind uh, on your desktop. Now, the practical applications for this are are fairly limited, uh, but the fact that you can have holograms floating on your desk is pretty darn cool at a price of $700. Mitch, did you get a chance to take a look at this Kickstarter?
1: I saw the I didn't see the actual Kickstarter, but I saw the video on Wired or something like that yesterday and uh it's it's pretty cool uh to be able to basically show a hologram like they did in Star Wars in midair somewhere. Pretty impressive. Uh I I'm just not sure what the hell anybody would use it for. <laughs> I mean it maybe
0: Maybe presentations of some kind at this point, but uh, it's a good start. One of the things uh, I put in the show notes, and I just thought this was kind of fun, is if you think about the history of video games, uh, the initial video games were vector-based because they were easier to create. You had stuff like right. uh, Asteroids, and those are games that still sort of hold up today because they didn't have any sort of uh, sprites that they had to draw out or you know images. It's just lines. With something like this, if they advance in the future to the point where you could draw thousands of vectors simultaneously at a frame rate that made it seem like it was uh, floating in the air. uh, Imagine a video game where you could play in a almost cube space and move around. I mean, a a more advanced version of asteroids, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But you'd have to think about how you do uh design and something like that because now if you can see all the sides of something do you want to look at a face and then walk around it to look at the back of the head no you don't you want to you want to see the face all the time but how do you get the face to stare at you when you are are moving around so just some interesting things to think about uh, as far as video applications go I don't know. I almost pulled the trigger just to create a crappy short sci-fi film and then (laughs) use this in it because it would be really fun and practical effects. But uh, uh, interesting stuff. I'm excited about that, even though it's not extremely video related. Now, something that is video related and uh, probably interesting for a number of you, if you are a owner of the very cheap, and I actually have it right here on my desk for some reason, the 4K YI Action Cam, Yi Action Cam, call it what you will. They have recently updated the firmware on this, and you can now stream your video uh, to either Facebook or YouTube or Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. Uh, if you use the Open SDK, uh, this thing will stream at uh, 1440p, which is also very interesting and adds basically another value proposition to a extremely affordable 249 action cam. Now, nice. Mitch, in the past with uh, GoPro uh, Hero Four and so on, you had to have a backpack in order to do some of this stuff. Do you think that's a a proposition that will entice people to move to a camera like this? And what are you going to do? What are you going to stream? You know, what event do you want to stream (laughs) with your uh, YI action cam?
1: I want to stream the DSLR Film Noob podcast so you and I could both... uh, Wait, that would be separate streams, so that wouldn't work. The users wouldn't like that, so... Uh, I don't know, I I still haven't found a whole lot of usage for uh, Facebook live streaming. You know, it's interesting, speaking of that, um, and maybe other people are different, but I I keep going back to the ability to have live conversations like Skype. and when my oldest daughter went to college we we made sure that we could Skype and we could uh use Apple FaceTime so that we could you know have a conversation every now and then if we needed to and i don't think we've used it once because everything's text these days i mean yeah. everybody is so fascinated on on doing that kind of stuff we don't need the necessarily live interaction although i'll go back and say that God, I wish we would use the phone more often because texting takes forever.
0: Well, and sometimes you just Uh, can't get the information across in a text message.
1: Right. But I I was on Facebook yesterday and one of my friends uh, posted a video. And I was like, well, this must be interesting because he never posts a video. So I started watching it. And it turns out he took his car through uh, one of the... A car wash, an automated car wash, and recorded the whole thing and posted it to, v- to Facebook. And I'm like, "What? Uh, okay." I happen to be getting ready to go somewhere, so I left it running because I kept thinking, "Oh, there's going to be a joke or something at <laughs> And, and no, the car wash ended, and he drove off. And I'm like, "Okay, why? Did I just waste my time on that." So uh, I'm not answering your question very well, but I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have anything that I need to live stream.
0: Well, I thought it might other be than... might be fun Go to ahead. stream kids, you know, like if you have yeah. if you have grandchildren, you know, hey, hey, right. uh, look at grandpa, he's playing, you know, gra- or the kids are playing over here, or you know, uh, it might be a little bit on the gruesome side, but uh, some people like to join in the delivery room and you know, you stream <laughs> something weird like that. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, life events, I suppose, graduations, yes. things like yes. that. Uh, in the chat room, uh, several are mentioning uh, concerts. I would I would worry about the quality of audio oh, uh, yeah. from something like that in a concert situation. Um I don't know. My wife and I uh, when I have to travel for projects uh, around the world, we use uh, videos to to talk, you know, the live view sort of thing to talk to each other uh, because in those times you're away from each other for a month or two at a time and having a uh, video interaction is a little bit more personal than having audio or text interaction Uh, that said uh, when I'm not away uh, I completely stop using that feature and it sounds like that's sort of your thing too yeah Uh, streaming stuff I mean if I'm doing something really crazy and cool I still want to film it, edit it, and put it back together again. Uh, You know, no one's going to know whether or not I did that yesterday or five days ago. And frankly, do you think they'll really care, you know, if the footage looks better because I was able to edit it as opposed to live stream it? Now, there are interesting applications uh, like the uh, Skydive from Space that uh, Red Bull sponsored. Nice. That's really cool to watch live. But even that, when they say you're watching it live how many minutes behind the actual jump were the viewers? Uh, You know, maybe 45 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. You're not really live per se. Even live TV isn't live. Is it that much of a detriment? Well, it might be to the interactive community if there's a chat room involved, uh, such as this one down here. But uh, (laughs) otherwise, you know, I would rather wait a couple days and see it. Uh, Well done, and it's fearing to me, or I'm I'm fearful of people, like you mentioned, the car wash guy. You know, great, um, you're going to set up your live action cam and do dishes. Nice. (laughs) Watch you do dishes. I mean, maybe someone's into that. Maybe they are, but that's so much content coming out that has nothing to do with anything. No one wants to watch that it will flood the market and push down the good content that will be buried in the sea of other <laughs> junk
1: yeah and, and we are are definitely buried in content
0: um are you in a hurry to get out of here oh no i got a, i got a few more minutes what's up okay well we didn't talk about the new macbook pro do you okay lay it on me lay it on me man
1: <laughs> did you see anything about the new macbook pro
0: i did not catch the announcement and i was rather busy last night so okay. i missed everything to do with the new macbook pro
1: uh, so the new MacBook pro is insane. Uh, it's and not, that did they
0: insane. make it uh 1.2 millimeters thick? Yes.
1: And... Um, and, and God, I, I don't know why they have decided that thin is the ultimate marketing ploy. Apparently it works. Um, <laughs> I love the chat room. Oh boy. Here we go. Uh, so they've added a an OLED strip at the top of the keyboard and removed the function keys. Now, this, I think is brilliant uh, what i what I'm waiting for, however, is for them to remove that, and if you're watching live, you can see DJ scrolling through uh, that and pointing to it. Uh, the fact that that toolbar is there is just phenomenal and it's very functional uh, the ability for the operating system to change the contents of the visual floating toolbar and be able to use it as a touch screen uh, I really like that concept what I would like to have is that on my trackpad or on my Wacom tablet like I'm I'm using now uh, as a or or even you know on the trackpad itself, I have an iMac and I have an external trackpad that I use. Uh, as opposed to right now, the only place you can get that and use that is on the brand new MacBook Pro. So it's rather limiting. It's a great, cool little feature. Uh, the negatives of the MacBook Pro are costs. They've raised the price like two to four hundred dollars, oh. uh, and the the base price is $14.99, whereas the base price of the 13-inch used to be I think $12.99. Okay. Um and, and uh the upper end price is like $24.99, I think, or $23.99. So it's the 15-inch is just crazy. I think that was I think the base price of the 14 or 15 inch was 1999 so it was just right at 2000 so I'm, I'm pretty sure they've gone up for grant or 400 bucks um
0: it's a slick the, lo- looking device I'd love to install windows on it <laughs> uh, and in the side part of it is
1: that uh, it has the new keyboard which I tried out the keyboard that they put on the 12 inch and I didn't care for it so uh, they say they've changed it slightly from what the 12-inch keyboard was. It's very flat, flat keyboard, and they have removed all of the ports ex- and converted them all to USB-C uh, ports. So what used to what you, where you used to have USB ports and Thunderbolt ports and uh, the Mac uh, the. Uh, why can't I just suddenly come up with that? The the power cord, the, the mag mag free power cord where the widgets pop off if you accidentally bumped it. Uh they got rid of that? The that mag, was a the amazing mag safe, yes. Uh, it's it's amazing that they got rid of that. Uh, but I saw that coming, frankly, because the twelve inch that I was talking about a minute ago didn't have that. If if I recall, it doesn't have that. It was they went to the USB mag safe. Thank you. A major mistake, if you ask me, why couldn't they do all of the USB-C things? Why couldn't they make those MagSafe kind of adapter things? If they they went through the trouble of redesigning USB a long time ago and came up with this USB-C, why didn't they just make all of those magnetic? Of course, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily want that (laughs) coming free maybe so i i just a, a lot of people are you know after every macbook or every new announcement by apple there is screaming that all hell is breaking loose and the the, the mac is dead apple has lost their minds and everywhere you go uh it's just like the canon 5d mark 4 announcement there is so much piss, pissing and moaning online about how this is the worst macbook ever uh and Steve Jobs will be rolling over in his grave. I've seen that half a dozen times.
0: Now, wasn't there something uh, with the keyboard? Did they remove, uh, like, a function key or...? Well,
1: that's... Yeah, they removed the entire row of function keys and put that OLED strip there. So okay, there are so no there, there's
0: keys. no function keys, period, and now they have Correct. this the touch strip. Correct. Okay.
1: So, and and that's... Frankly, it makes a lot of sense because if you can programmatically change what those things do. And if you see some of the demos that they did yesterday during the announcement to to make those context sensitive. So if you're in Photoshop and you're using a clone tool, suddenly all of those function keys are just specifically things for that tool, Hmm. it's brilliant. So it gives you the ability. Now, the, the negative to that and I've seen several people talk about it. If you're a keyboard shortcut guy like I am, and and maybe you don't look down at your keyboard very often to suddenly Lose those? Well, you don't have to use them, but I mean, how many people, do you actually use your function keys, DJ?
0: Uh, Yeah, actually I I have several of them programmed for shortcuts in video editing. Um, I also have macros programmed to my function keys uh, for repeated tasks such as uh, photo resizing and so on. So, so do you touch type to those function keys, or do you have to look down at your keyboard? Uh, I look down at my keyboard, so yeah. I okay. guess I could program them to anything.
1: Right, and and to have them visually change, uh, I think is key because one of the biggest complaints that people like my family have because I use you and I both use keyboard shortcuts like crazy is how do you remember what the hell those things are, right? (laughs) I mean, I know if I hit Command, Option, Shift, L in Lightroom now, I can do a specific function. But wouldn't it be nice if I were in the develop module that that toolbar changed so that I could just go, oh, there, I just pressed that virtual button and it does that function as opposed to me having to rem- remember command shift option l
0: now i might be a special user but uh, my you've heard about my old crappy keyboard that oh I use. yeah <laughs> i love this thing um one of the things that it has that and i'll see if i can angle my camera down so you can see this the function keys on this are separated in sets of four So when you are heavily using the function keys, uh, four at a time, if you think about the way I have these programmed, uh, a set of uh, F5 through F8 are set up to do my trim, pause, play, and cut. And those four functions I can sit and walk through on a regular basis. Uh, If they were a touchscreen interface, I think it would it would still be almost as convenient as what you're describing. The issue I have with that whole uh, strip is that while you say, yes, you can have program aware features on there, that requires programming on the part of the application creator in order to properly implement. And if there is only a single device that is capable of utilizing that Particular yes. feature is it going to be worthwhile for uh, developers to create an extra thing uh, that they have to do work on and manpower requirements for only a small group? What I think MacBook Pro users only represent maybe ten or twenty percent maximum of the uh, of the mobile PC slash uh, laptop market.
1: I, I think it's a very interesting question. And I, like I said, when I started ranting about this, uh, the fact that I want that toolbar on other devices, uh, like my Wacom or my trackpad, as opposed to it just being only available in the MacBook Pro is exactly what you're pointing at. Now, I think it eventually will be on multiple devices. Okay. I can imagine that Apple is working on a new keyboard for the iMac, which needs to be refreshed. Uh, $300 which would, later. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and like Apple needs more profit, right? <laughs> um, but one of the things that's very, very interesting that is untalked about so far, I, I've only seen one person mention it, uh, is what is the ramifications? If you watch the demo that they did yesterday, this MacBook Pro, uh, although they, they limit you to 16 gigs of memory, which is very surprising, but maybe you don't necessarily need 32 gigs of memory based uh, on the way they've improved the. We need all the system. memory. I know. And, and I, I, I severely question their concept here for not letting you have 32 gigs of memory on that. But in their presentation, they talked about uh, two things. Fascinating, and don't let me forget this, and and if you have to go to work, let me know. Uh, number one is they showed uh, a 5K monitor that is not an Apple monitor. So they have worked with LG, and they have... I think what they're really basically saying is they're not going to develop external monitors anymore. So they have specifically worked with LG to create a 5K Retina-like an iMac screen specifically designed for the MacBook Pro. Huh. Yeah, that's a big huh, because I don't think they're going to do uh, external monitors anymore, and maybe they don't need to because everybody buys the other ones anyway because they're cheaper, right? That's true.
0: And they're <laughs> um, of the similar quality.
1: And so so working with LG makes a lot of sense. So they they showed especially with the, with the USB adapter, the LG monitor has three USB-C slots in it, by the way, so you could just have one plug, like a dock. You could have your, your external monitor with all of your devices, like your hard drives and all that kind of stuff, and then just have one cord, which is also a power cord, by the way, coming to your MacBook Pro. So you, you have, if you buy that LG monitor, you have an external dock and an external monitor, and you just have one cord that goes to your laptop. When you when you come home to work,
0: hmm.
1: that doesn't sound bad. And you can daisy chain that to a second 5K LG monitor, so you can have two 27-inch external monitors plugged into your uh, MacBook Pro. And they sh- you know they demo 5K or 4K editing with fun- the new Final Cut Pro. Power- Final Cut Pro on there, so it's a. It it appears to me. Number two, this is my second point, is that they may be dumping their Mac or their um,
0: their pro trash line.
1: can because they're. I mean, realistically, how many people these days really need to have the Trash Can Pro? $10,000 computer. There are
0: some, of I mean, course. I'm raising my hand right now. As Even <laughs> a, in a PC owner, I'm working on probably a $7,000 system. Yeah.
1: But I think there are, are a lot of people that have, have decided that they don't need an iMac, they don't need a desktop computer, and they're living their entire lives on a laptop. And if this laptop, the 15-inch is beefy enough to do the work that they need to do, then... With two external monitors driven, you know, with one cord, why not? I don't know. I, I, it just, it just kind of had that feeling to me that they didn't want to be selling that
0: extra, that
1: new, that MacBook, not MacBook Pro, the Mac Pro.
0: What are we, what are we talking about for graphics cards in this guy though? I mean, Uh, You're mentioning all these uh, high-end editing applications, but the key feature of the trash can was dual GPUs uh right. built in and while they were soldered on and, and non-replaceable <laughs> which is uh, frustration in and among itself they were still of very high merit uh are they squeezing something amazing into this thing or are you going to be able to get uh, uh okay. are they finally going to move nvidia or are we getting a gtx or is this still uh um going with the uh, amd side of the house with the Radeon I, card i did not
1: look at the specifics on the graphics cards but I suspect the answer is that you wouldn't be happy.
0: Ah, that's usually but, the case.
1: I mean, yeah. And and several people in the chat room, uh, Stan Perry said, I love the trash can, I need the trash can. Um, and I don't know, maybe, maybe they're going to continue, but the, the Mac Pro is, what, four years old now? I mean, they are way behind in updating that. Uh, the iMacs have come out. Much more recently than than that thing. So yeah, I
0: just looked into it, it, Mitch. It is a Radeon GPU inside that they're they're going to be relying on. So you're still uh, not going to be able to take advantage of CUDA in uh, Premiere, which is the rendering speed up that I enjoy. I'm on my PC, uh, rubbing it in <laughs> a little bit here. Uh, I don't know. the The GPU specs are looking. Uh, middle of the line uh, yes yeah. apple never f-
1: puts top of the line stuff in there Two course.
0: 4k screens yeah i don't know I, I don't think they would get rid of their their mac pro lineup uh just to be replaced with a macbook pro unless they're they're going to only hit the middle of the market because you're going to be getting getting you'd be getting rid of a, a very large number of high-end users uh by eliminating that uh, maybe i'm wrong Maybe once you get to a certain level, you move over to, I don't, I don't know, maybe a PC. I but
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and as Sapphire points out in the chat room, uh, Apple never lets you know, and I mentioned this before about Final Cut, they never let you know until they decide to shit can something, to not <laughs> sell something uh, that they're even considering not selling something. So after four years of not hearing anything about the Mac Pro, what are, what are they doing? Are they going to upgrade it or are they not? I mean, it would be nice to if they would at least say, we're working on it.
0: Uh, Sully anyway. mentioned in the chat room, too, uh, uh, QuickSync, Intel's QuickSync. And uh, while that is a really awesome uh, op- option for video rendering, if you're not familiar with QuickSync, go take a look uh, in depth. Uh, Intel has implemented on-chip processing that allows for extremely fast video transcoding. Uh, The issue there is that uh, no one seems to be excited about implementing it into software applications uh, that you normally use in regular production, which is very, very frustrating as well. That might be a solution to speed up devices (laughs) like uh, the new MacBook Pro. Yeah, Yeah, it looks nice. I, I will tell you, as a PC user, I have always been jealous of the rather sexy looking devices that are available in the Mac line. And I'm looking at the time, Mitch, and I do actually need to get <laughs> out of here because this yeah, went a I know. little bit longer than I thought. Um, so any last words before we get out of here and then we're going to go.
1: No, no, I, I know you've, you've got to get to work today. Sorry about that. I got I sucked into the work.
0: conversation as well, and I, started, yeah. I realized that uh, I have uh, 15 minutes to, to get dressed and go. Uh, okay, why? I am wearing clothes. Uh, on that note, guys, <laughs> yeah. thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Mitch, where can people find you?
1: Planet5D.com, PlanetMitch.com, Planet Mitch on all social media
0: and on this end you can find me at DSLRFilmNoob.com you can find me at Twitter or on Twitter at DSLRFilmNoob on YouTube One Lone Door channel you can find this podcast in SoundCloud iTunes and anywhere podcasts are distributed we appreciate a like a subscribe and write some comments write some questions complain do whatever you want we'd love to hear from you we'd love to read those it's great to interact with you guys and thanks for showing up live for the chat room I mentioned that live is dead but live is not always dead because it's great to talk to you guys in the notes and in the chat room while we're talking so thanks for watching thanks for listening we'll see you next time on another episode of DSLR Film Noob Podcast